What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I've got special guest Brian Grin on the line, and we dive into all things intermittent fasting. He's been fasting for quite some time now. Uh, he's played around with all different kinds of techniques. We dive into different nuances behind intermittent fasting, how best to go about it, how best to avoid the pitfalls, and we also just kind of dive into some lifestyle things, um, how to manipulate fasting with regard to being in a caloric deficit versus a caloric surplus, and just a couple of different nuances there. So really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you will as well. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast with Brian Grin. And Brian, we're live. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well, all things considering. So I'm excited to have you on here. You reached out via email uh, a while back, and you said that you are a advocate for intermittent fasting, the keto lifestyle as a whole. And fasting is something, to be completely honest with you, I've not really delved too deep in. I've played around with it a little bit, but I'd love to to kind of just flush that out in greater detail with you. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, thanks for having me on, and I'm definitely a fan. I've I've gotten your bricks before and uh, listened to your podcast, so excited to be on. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you listening. I obviously appreciate you eating the bricks. Which one's your favorite flavor? Well, you know, I got them a little while ago, but I, I'm definitely like a, I mean, I don't have it as much now, but like I like the peanut butter. Yeah, peanut butter's uh, hard to beat, man. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like peanut butter? I try not to have too much peanut butter in my life. I used to back when I was younger, but uh, it, yeah, it tastes great. Yeah. yeah. I, but, but I like them all. They're all different, you know? Good stuff. Good stuff. So what, what got you into the keto space, man? Let's just kind of back up a little bit give you some, some backstory here. What got you into this way of eating? Yeah. So, um, actually what got me into this way of eating was a client of mine who, um, of mine who was like pre-diabetic. Um, you know, she was overweight Mm -hmm. and she was regular with her fitness sessions, but she was struggling to sort of lose those extra pounds and just sort of hit a plateau. Um, and she actually, this was a few years back, but she got into fasting, studied it a ton, and, and, and then just had great results, did it sort of on her own. Um, and when I just saw what she did, it, I was just so intrigued, um, just being in that space. And, uh, you know, obviously, like growing up, I'm like 40 now, like everyone teaches you that you got to eat six meals a day, or a lot of the publications or a lot of stuff out there uh, especially back 10, 15 years ago, would say you got to eat all the time, every day, and just to keep your metabolism up. And so that was like, that was like what I sort of followed for a while. And, but when I saw her get some great results, uh, it was intriguing. So I wanted to get into like intermittent fasting myself and uh, learn about that, you know, style of eating. And just, yeah, I, it, so it started with myself and just getting great results learning about it through like Dr. Jason Fung. And then from there, just um, implementing it into my life before I started doing it with my clients. And it was just, yeah, just sort of grew from there. And I've since then come out with some, you know, a journal, a simple intermittent fasting journal. And now I have a challenge coming up. So um, yeah, that, so that was me. So I've been in health and fitness for a while. I just guess the fasting was brought to me from a, from a client actually. So it's it's interesting to see how the, you know the evolution of meal frequency has changed over the years because you know I grew up eating you know five six seven meals a day I just right. follow the traditional bodybuilding dogma of you got to eat every two or three hours in order to build muscle so 
That's what all the mm-hmm. magazines told me. That's what I would do. I would literally have like this massive duffel bag filled with Tupperware, and mm-hmm. I would carry that with me, you know, across college campus. I mean, that's just what I was eating out of all day long. And you know, if I if I was to go, you know, thirty minutes over that two hour mark, I would just assume that my muscles were just wasting away into nothing. And here I'm doing a contest prep now, and I've been doing OMAD for the past several months. So I only eat one meal a day. And it's right. just crazy because I feel better. I'm hitting PRs every week. Like everything's improved. I feel like my growth hormone's better. I feel like everything's better. And that's just, it so much so flies in the face of what traditional wisdom, quote unquote, tells us to do. Right. No, that's, that, that is definitely true. I mean, you just, you notice like with obviously all the big food and, and all, you know, like the companies like every, on every block pretty much, they don't want you to know or they like their marketers don't want you to think that you need to just have one meal a day, right? Like no one, no one makes money. I always say this, but no one makes money from fasting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you know, it's just been disguised for so long that we should be eating five, six, seven meals a day to keep our metabolism up. You know, granted, if you want to put on weight, like, obviously I'm sure as you know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how you do your preps per se, but I'm sure you go through like a weight gaining process and then do cut back. Uh, is that how it, that works for you going to like competitions yeah exactly so like when i'm in a caloric surplus i'll have more than one meal a day i feel like especially if you're trying to get in you know more protein and actually build more muscle tissue like you're going to benefit from having you know at least two or three solid meals so that you're giving your right. body time to break down all that protein it's not just you know getting uh, excreted you want to be able to actually absorb the nutrients you're taking in but if you're like in a caloric deficit and you're prioritizing fat loss instead of building lean tissue then I think doing like a one meal a day approach or incorporating more fasting is totally, totally beneficial. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and like, I'm, I'm curious, you know, one meal a day is something that I do every so often just to mix it up. Typically I'll do two meals a day, mm-hmm. but like, um, like what I do I teach with a lot of my clients is like to go like zero to a hundred when it comes to like fasting and one meal a day, like I'm sure for you, like over time you built into that. Um, and that's what I, that's what I try to teach, like, especially with my journal with my clients is you don't, you know, if you, if you're so used to eating breakfast, um, and you want to get into like fasting, like just push it back an hour, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to do it all in one swoop. I mean, some people like to just go and go, okay, I'm just going till noon or I'm going till one and, and they'll do like a traditional 16, eight, um, fasting times and feasting times, but really you don't have to start that way. You, You know, you you can, you can, you know, instead of eight o'clock eating right when you get up or seven o'clock, you know, push it just, that's, exi- that's at least what I did, you know, and that was like so effective to me. And it sort of like grad- sort of gradually gets you into the process of, oh, you know what, I'll be okay if I like push back my meal, right? Like you, know, you, you will live. <laughs> yeah. And from like a psychological standpoint too, I feel like you are able to develop a much healthier relationship with food. I was actually thinking about how I'm going to go about my reverse diet coming out of this contest prep and until right. I hit you know at least 2600 calories or so I'm probably going to continue to do an OMAD style approach because I feel like you don't get as a skewed um, you know view on true satiety and true hunger I feel like if you're able mm-hmm. to just eat one meal a day be very conscious of how you feel during that time feel full right. like truly legitimately full and then transition into more of a fasting period then you're not constantly going back and forth with this like skewed 
take on, you know, cravings and whatnot. Like you're able to just listen to your body, act upon that, and then let it happen naturally. No, I agree. I, I would say that that could be like one of the best bonuses or like pluses to tipping, uh, excuse me, to fasting is is the fact that you can, you do come like you're in line with your true hunger. And I think you lose touch with that. Like when you're a kid, you know, a lot of kids, I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews and, you know, they might get up and they're just not hungry. Right. So they, they, they listen to their bodies much better than as we've gotten older. Cause I think like, obviously like my parents and not, you know, your parents per se were like, Oh, you have to eat now. You know, it's, it's this time of the day. If you don't eat, like you're going to lose energy or you're not going to be able to make it through the day. Whereas like when you're like, you know, when you're a kid and like, you're just, you just eat when, you know, you sort of follow your body more so than you are when you become an adult. Yeah. It's weird to see how society plays such a big role in these supposed feeding times. Like, you know, getting on a plane, for instance, like I'll be the only person on the entire plane that's not getting a snack when the the stewardess <laughs> comes down the aisle offering snacks it's like people just assume that if you're on a plane you're you're supposed to eat or if you're at the movie theater you're supposed to eat like you it, it's right. just this weird signaling effect that society's pushed on us and people have just willingly embraced it's like why don't you listen to your body for once i know right i mean you know also i i like to give a tip to to like the people that i'm working with is if you if you make it a if you just make it an importance to eat when you're sitting at a table. So like, cause you, you know, you're instead of when you're driving or you're at the movie theater or like you're on an airplane, like if you cut out those times and just, just eat when you're, when you're sitting at a table, like, I feel like that's a good way to just clean up your habits. So you don't, you're not like eating everywhere. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. I, I think honestly, you know, being in a very, relaxed state when you do eat is so critically important because it allows your body to absorb that food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to be victim of this. I, I was terrible. I would I would eat while driving. I would eat on the run. I mean, I would literally eat running. Like, I, I was just not in a, in a relaxed state at all. And right. now, especially that my calories are low and I'm really savoring every bite that I take, like, I, I breathe very slowly before sitting down and then when I do sit down, I like actually take in the smells and then enjoy every bite and then, you know, breathe afterwards, which is like a very drawn out process. But I feel like my absorption of that food has increased tenfold. And then, I mean, what's the point in tracking macros and getting things dialed in and having all these calculations if your body is only absorbing a fraction of that? Like you have to you kind right. of hedge the bets in your favor, so to speak. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think I think there's there's a lot of pluses to eating slower, right? I mean, you can you sort of you can at least like feel your true hunger and feel when you're full. And like a lot of people times if you eat really fast, you just end up consuming more. And then like, obviously, especially with doing one meal a day, and even with fasting, I I like to talk some type of liquid to break your fast, as opposed to, you know, jumping into a big meal and having a bunch of meat. Not to say that obviously, you know, a, a good grass-fed meat is 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 obviously a good thing, but but especially when you're starting out, you want to sort of let, wake up your digestive system first. Even maybe some apple cider vinegar and water, um, but like a bone broth is great to start out with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've also heard that drinking a carbonated beverage, even like a like a Topo Chico or something, prior to eating, is not the best for kind of activating all your your stomach acid and digestive tract 
Yeah, I, I feel like you could just get like bloated from that almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would definitely go like the soups and and maybe like a small, you know, maybe like a small salad or or maybe even some eggs uh, is a good place to start and then ease your way into it. As I'm sure you know, when you probably first started doing one meal a day, that like, you know, like you just, like people are think probably think oh you know, if they've never done fasting and they go to one meal a day, they probably are going to sort of gorge, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or they're going to want to gorge and they're going to realize, whoa, I cannot consume that much <laughs> Totally. in one sitting. Um, how long did it take for you to get to one meal a day? Uh, well, I'd been keto for quite some time. So it was, it was right. pretty natural transition for me because I mean, I went from eating the six meals a day to eating two or three and then being comfortable pushing that back to one and then as your calories get lower it just becomes much easier to eat one meal because you're not having a massive bolus in that one meal um but but i I do enjoy it when my calories are low for sure yeah i mean i'm sure just like like the days like like for me when i do one meal a day like my mental acuity i'm like sharper you know i try to do all my I try to like all do all my like mentally taxing things or if I'm like writing something for like a website or doing something like like a video or whatever like when I'm in a fasted state I just feel like um just more alert totally um yeah, I, w- I mean I would say that if you're training hard uh which I would advocate anybody to do but if you are training hard and you're only doing one meal a day I would recommend having that one meal ideally I think within a two or three hour window post training you don't have to have yes. it immediately after but at least getting in there somewhat relatively soon after training, I think would be advantageous. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, yeah. When do you normally have your one meal a day in the, in the evening or in the middle of the day or no, I, I train very early. So I normally have my first and only meal around nine or 10 AM. Um, oh, and I'm training okay. at like 6 AM. So by the time my workout's done and then I go for a run, by the time I get back and I have a shower from that, it's around nine, uh, or 10 a.m. So I'll have my first meal then. Okay. And then you'll just go the rest, the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of times you hear like uh, for one meal a day, a lot, of, like I'll do it maybe towards the end of my day. But mm-hmm. like, like you said, like you're working out early. So that's advantageous for you to do it a few hours after you work out. Uh, your body's just in a better state, you know, you know, you're more insulin sensitive and, and things like that. So, do you um, notice if you do a one meal a day in the latter half of the day that it affects your sleep very much or no? You know, I I, I don't. So I, I'll do my one meal a day. Like, let's say I'll do it around five o'clock. Mm-hmm. So if I'm e- eating within like from like five to six or so, um, I'm not going to bed till like 10 ish. So I have plenty of time to digest. But I do agree if you're going to do one meal a day, well, even if you're gonna do three meals a day or whatever, don't eat too close to bedtime. Right. Um, that, that can screw up your, your sleep. And, um, so I try to do it within a reasonable time period where I have time to digest and not just jump in the, <laughs> and go to sleep, you know, right after the meal. Um, I'm curious. One too, thing, I think, yeah, go ahead. I think having a, uh, a, a reasonable bolus of dietary fats, relatively soon before going to bed uh you know even if it's like just a few hours but having that large bowls of fat before going to bed i think that makes for a better quality sleep um Mm. that's one thing i've noticed kind of suffering here lately with me having lower calories and eating so much earlier in the day that my sleep is so much more broken now and i feel like if i 
was to have a little bit more fat closer to bedtime, I'd probably get a much higher quality sleep. Well, even, and even just, I, I know you don't have much carbs and I'm not a, I don't have a ton of carbs either. I'm, uh, I don't necessarily track my macros, but my carbs re- really come a lot from just like maybe vegetables here and there, but like an avocado or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, something low glycemic or so is typically uh, protein and fat. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll backload my carbs towards the end of the day. Um, because that'll, I think that will actually help me with sleep a little bit, you know, um, cause you'll get maybe a little bit of a spike in, in blood sugar. Um, and it'll just sort of help you sort of like, I don't know, settle into the evening per se. I'd rather do that than do it in the middle of the day where I might then feel a little bit of a lapse after that. Yeah, I noticed I used to do carb backloading uh, long before I was keto, and I noticed that I would fall asleep much, much easier, but mm-hmm. the the like the deep and REM sleep suffered. So my, my time to fall asleep was improved, but my sleep quality throughout the night suffered, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. What about extended yeah. fasting? Are you doing a whole lot of that? You know, it's, it's, it's on my list. I've done some uh, like 40-hour fasts and things like that. Um, but I've not done, you know, I'd like to do like a three day fast. Um, so have you done any extended fasts? Uh, longest I've gone is four and a half days. I did that just on a whim. I was getting a bunch of questions about fasting and I had never really done an extended fast. So I felt like I'd just roll up my sleeves and dive into it. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. And, uh, it worked out great. Honestly, like I, I trained every day. I was hitting, you know, new, new PRs in the gym throughout the fasting period and I didn't do like a, so you, like a dry fast or anything. I, I was still consuming water and electrolytes, but it was it was a legitimate fast against all food. Yeah, that that's 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 great. That's impressive that you that you you know kept working out. I mean, you know, for someone like yourself who's you know used to eating keto and then getting into fasting, I think that's a good transition. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for someone who's not that familiar with their macros and and having sort of a high carb, you know, sort of standard American diet that like, I would first, if anything, clean up their eating and maybe get them into a little bit more of a higher fat, you know, moderate protein, low carb state. So their body gets used to sort of get being in, in, you know, in the, in the, you know, obviously keto adapted. And then from there, they can start mixing in some fasting because they're, they're just more adept at using their own fat stores. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like a lot of people fast and they they do it because it's it's popular right now. I mean, intermittent fasting is very hyped up, and if they're right. going straight into it, having not gotten keto adapted first, it's going to be, you know, you have to jump through a lot more hoops. You have to start producing ketones, and you have to like go through the whole keto flu. And if you don't know what you're doing with your electrolytes, you're going to feel miserable. Like there's just a lot more obstacles. Whereas if you already are keto adapted, then it's just a, an easy transition, and then you're not really going to skip a beat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what do you do you measure your your ketones throughout the day or your glucose? I do now just because I'm doing a lot of experimentation with this prep. I don't typically like on a normal day to day basis. Um, It is interesting to see, you know, the numbers change throughout the course of a fast. It's kind of curious to see how my blood glucose is affected, especially as it is surrounding a workout um, or anything like that nature. You know, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, like just kind of how those numbers are impacted. But it is mm-hmm. it is interesting to track the numbers if if you're tracking them. You know, certainly don't have to. A lot of people fixate on that, so I would not want to encourage right. anybody that is not into the numbers to just you know become obsessive with it. But if you are interested in the data, it's, it's definitely interesting. 
Yeah, I agree. I think you, best off just listening. I mean, measuring that stuff. I've I've not really gotten into that. I was like measuring uh, like my my ketones and things like that. But I think most importantly, is just listen to how you feel and how your body is. Like, um, I had an individual who who came to me and you know he had a ton of grains in his diet and um, and just. I, you know, the main thing is how are you feeling, right? Like I think some people are, run better on carbs and some people don't. And uh, you have to sort of find what your sweet spot is. Like for me, I would have, when I, when I started to backload carbs a little bit more, I, I did that because I found when I would have my first meal, let's say around noon or one, like I, after that, I just, you know, I was just a little bit sluggish the rest of the day. And I felt I didn't want to feel like that. And so I just sort of changed it, changed it around and and you know like in the middle of the day i'll have more like maybe an omelet or something it might put a little bit of like avocado in there or something but i'll keep it pretty you know low carb and then if i'm gonna have a little bit of carbs i'll put that towards the end of the day um, yeah and i just sort of followed how i felt you know yeah being able to like tap into your body and what what feedback it's giving you is huge so many people just blindly go off of some script that somebody hands them and they're just right. so disjointed with how their body's reacting to things um so being conscious of that is is absolutely key and i feel like you know reaching this stillness of the mind this is going to sound a little frou-frou but i've really been focusing on this lately i've been reading a book called stillness is the key and to just simply be aware of your surroundings and your environment and your own self and listen to your body like that's that's an art form man like i've really tapped into that here lately um i get like in a meditative state when my calories are low and they're pretty low right now. But to be able to tap into that and actually be aware of what your body's telling you is so powerful. And I feel like people just need to, to strive to be able to accomplish that more. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and I think fasting is a great way to to become more self-aware of, like like you mentioned, like true hunger. Um, what other things do you do to become more self-aware? Like, do you meditate? Yeah, meditate, not like in a structured sense of the word. I mean, I don't listen to, um, you know, many meditation tapes. I don't like doing anything in that regard, really. But what I've been doing lately is I'll go for, you know, I'll, I'll do my workout and then I'll go for a run. And then after my run's over, I'll just walk and then I'll I'll find a serene spot out in the park where, I, where I've been running. And I'll just sit there and I'll watch my surroundings. Like I'll watch the squirrels, I'll watch the birds, I'll watch the leaves and the trees you know, with the wind, it just, I'm just present, and, like, that's, it, it sounds, it sounds odd, you know, to, to describe yeah. it, but simply just being there, and, like, focusing on how I feel, focusing on what I'm thinking about, focusing on having the stillness of the mind, like, I'm just so much more tapped into how my body is responding to all the different things I'm subjecting it to, and I feel like if people made it a point to do that, they wouldn't be plagued with all this uncertainty, and uncertainty is what, what gets people. I mean, they start second-guessing themselves. They start second-guessing their nutritional goals, their training goals, and then they screw themselves over. Whereas if they're just fixated on what their body is telling them in the moment, they can have so much more clarity as to how to adjust things. Yeah, I mean, I think just learning how to be present can be difficult for a lot of people. Um, and obviously, like, for me, I, I, like, I like to do yoga, um, I like to do meditation. I'm not like, I don't, I won't say I like meditate for like hours on, you know, every day, but even just sitting, like you mentioned, like sitting in, in, in a space for 10 minutes and just being completely present, focusing on your breath. 
because you'll just realize, God, it's not that easy to meditate. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's not an easy thing. It's difficult, and I think a lot of people stop short where they like they try to get into it. You know, they want to, but they just realize that like, God, my mind just wanders. You have to sort of ride that out. It's almost like the same thing as like when you first start fasting, right? Like you're going to go through a like sort of a rough patch per se, especially if you've never done it, um, where there's just uncertainty. You're like, gosh, I don't know if I can do this. You sort of get in your own head. And, and that happens not only with fasting, but it also can happen with just trying to get into like a meditative state. And it can take weeks upon weeks to like realize that like, God, I can actually stay present and focus on my breath. Yeah, your mind's always going to wander, but if you could just bring it back to your breath, um, you know, I think that's just like, you just got to be persistent a little bit. Same thing with fasting. You know, you're going to have hunger, right? You're going to have hunger waves and they come and go because, you know, we're so attuned to eating by the clock and following that. Like, if we get, I remember I, I, when I used to eat and snack all the time on like different bars and all this stuff, like if I had an inkling of hunger, I would look for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, people like, overthink God fasting. Right. It's 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 crazy, man. Like I don't I don't think everybody should fast. I don't feel like fasting is the best thing to do if you're in a caloric deficit. But if you're in a caloric maintenance or surplus, having a strategically pay, placed fast is very advantageous. Uh, there's just no mo- no point in overthinking it. It's, I'm amazed at how many people overthink fasting. Like, there is definitely some strategy to it. You know, you right. can minimize some of the downsides by making sure you have proper hydration and electrolytes but i mean it's simply just not eating <laughs> i know i know we we definitely can overcomplicate things and and make it difficult but um yeah i mean it, it, it's not for everybody it's obviously especially if you're maybe per, per, like you've mentioned like trying to put on some mass and and if you're growing or if, you know whatever obviously if you're pregnant and things like that but i would say for the most part like 70 80 percent of the the regular population who has a work job you know who has a nine to five and they're sitting at a desk i think it really is just an advantageous thing not only if they're just looking for fat loss but just to be more like we've talked about like just aware of who we are as far as like and what true hunger is and not always be tied down to the clock and and um we have to snack every five minutes so. Yeah, and it's amazing how much more productive you'll be in your career and your life right. and your relationships and everything if you're not constantly fixated on when your next meal is. I mean, when I was struggling with my eating disorders, I, I was just constantly thinking about food, like when mm-hmm. I was going to eat, what I was going to eat, where I was going to eat. And when you become free of that and you just, like, if, if let's say you are just eating one meal a day or if you're fasting that day, and you know going into the day that food is not an option, you just wipe that from your thought process, then you can truly be 100% present and focus on the tasks at hand. And your level of productivity towards those tasks is so much more amplified. And you can end the day knowing that you got something accomplished. I mean, that that is worth its weight in gold. No doubt. And obviously, I'm, we're talking in this whole coronavirus is going on right now. And obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um you know, people are rushing to the stores and buying out the stores and thinking, you know, that we're all going to be in lockdown, which obviously could happen. And I know it's happened in some states and some cities, but I will say like when, and you know, like since I've gotten involved with fasting and learning about my body and being able, like you mentioned, I mean, you, you did a four day fast. Like 
when you have that, like I just would say, like you have that tool in your shed in your in your toolbox to use. You know, when when there are times of maybe uncertainty, it's sort of nice to, in the back of your mind thinking, you know, if for some reason I don't have food for a few days, I'll be fine. Yeah, I can do this. You know, and so it's just like a mental edge that you have um, over other people who maybe never have gone down that path. And when there's times of uncertainty, you know, they might just like panic. Totally. What's even crazier is that a lot of the foods that these people are buying out and just, you know, hoarding are the foods that are going to offer zero nutritional density and satiety. I mean, a a loaf of white bread that's made from high fructose corn syrup is not going to satiate you. It's not going to give you any nutrient value whatsoever. And you're going to be hungry in another, you know, hour. So it's almost like a crutch, whereas... You know, if you're going to stock up on food, get some good sources of dietary fat and protein, and then then you can prolong your feeding frequency that much more. Um, but people don't think like that, you know. No doubt, yeah. Nutrient density. I know you talked about that a lot with like Paul Saladino, and like, yeah. I mean, there's companies now you can go online and get like great, you know, get some really good quality grass finished um, meats and uh, and wild fish and things like that. And, those are the things you should be stocking up on, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and toilet paper. You know, if you're fasting, you're probably not going to need as much toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah. I, you know, I said that to someone. I was like, there's like a run on toilet paper. I'm like, well, yeah, right. If, you're, if, you, are, if you are doing some type of fasting, you do not have to go as often, yeah. which is, you know, a- advantageous, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> what, what about electrolytes, man? What, what are some of your uh, tips and tricks when it comes to managing electrolytes and hydration levels when you're fasting? Yeah, I mean, I like to have, you know, for waters, but, you know, I have mineral drops and things like that. I don't like track my salt intake. I know that's something that you do and that, like, a lot of people or like, like, I know uh, Paul Saladino does that. Like, I know he mentions, like, 6 to 10 grams of salt per day. You know, I think it for me, I'll just, I'll just more or less how I feel throughout the day. But it's definitely something I recommend to a lot of people because they do fall short. You know, they, they think they're drinking a lot of water, but they're really not you know, they're not getting the minerals they need. So um, mineral drops are great or just like a quality uh, mineral water, or like a spring water um, is, is something that like I try to recommend to clients and also you know, obviously for myself. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just going off a of feel for sure. I mean, I noticed that if my electrolytes are off or if my hydration's off, like if there's a, a break in that equilibrium at some point, I'll start to hold a bunch of water. Um, like I'll, I'll mm-hmm. have like swelling in my ankles and wrist and whatnot that's usually a telltale sign that something's off but if i've got enough sodium potassium and hydration coming in then everything's pretty dialed in how do you get your salt do you just are you just put it on like are you putting just a quality like celtic celtic salt on your food or how do you do it yeah so i'm just using like redmond's real salt um i'll do right. that and then i'll do upgraded formulas brands potassium i like theirs because it's it comes in a liquid um, and it's just pure potassium. So you're not getting all the filler ingredients. You're not getting all the sweeteners and I'll just mm-hmm. put some of that in my water. Um, and then I'll just, What's, have, what was the name of the company? Uh, it's called upgraded formulas. I've, I've tried okay. a million different, uh, potassium supplements and I really like theirs and theirs are all nanoized. So the particle size is smaller than your red blood cell and therefore has a hundred percent absorption rate. Um, so you're basically not excreting any of the potassium. A lot of the potassium supplements out there, you know, they've got a sweetener in there. They've got some kind of filler agent. Um, it's like a powder. So you're consuming that, but then 
you're getting all other stuff with it and your body's not fully absorbing a bunch of it so you're excreting a bunch of it um right whereas with the the liquid potassium it's like there's there's nothing to that goes to waste you know right and i'm also curious um like your typical what's a typical meal like for you for one meal a day i know you're sort of get you're getting ready for a competition right yeah so right now it's it's um basically i'll do a keto brick i'll do uh venison ground beef and then i'll do a little bit of liverwurst with you know one to three scrambled eggs depending on what my macros are um and that's pretty much a meal for me nice got to got to include the keto brick in there right how did you just do you just eat that straight like i mean obviously do like um uh, do you ever break that up with that with the keto brick, or do you just have the whole thing? No, I just the whole thing. I mean, I've I've literally had one keto brick my entire prep every single day. So I've, I'm pretty proud of that. I've had I've had <laughs> a whole keto brick every single day of my prep, and I've had venison that I've killed every single oh, day wow. of my prep. So those are two things that I'm proud of because that's me directly supplying my own nutrition throughout the course of this uh, competition prep, which I'm proud of. Um, and they're both very nutrient-dense sources of nutrition, so I don't have to worry about, you know, having any shortfalls there. Yeah. And and so you're – do you ever um, – I know you said you used to carb backload. Do, what do you do for – do you, like when – do you introduce carbs at some point? No, no. I, I, I have done so much diet experimentation over the years. I mean, I've been bodybuilding for 10-plus years now, and – I've done all the different dieting tricks, all the different dieting hacks. I've done all the different techniques and a strict ketogenic diet without carb ups, without cyclical keto, without targeted keto, a strict ketogenic diet with properly formulated macronutrient ratios, leveraging a higher fat percentage is 100% the best protocol for me. Now, I'm not going to say it's the best protocol for everyone. I will say that I think it could be very good for most people, but most people don't dial it in properly or give their body the time it needs to fully adapt to that style of eating. But that has 100% been the best thing for me. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's great. And then so even after the competition, let's say you want to maybe put some body weight back on, you'll still eat strictly keto. You'll just maybe have a couple meals a day instead of one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's no no need to have carbs in order to put on more lean muscle tissue. I mean, if I wanted to get fatter, I could eat more carbs, um, right. but I could just increase my overall calories from both protein and fat, and that's going to allow me to put on plenty of lean muscle tissue. I mean, right now, I'm almost eight or nine pounds heavier than I was at this body fat percentage my last contest prep. And as a natural right. bodybuilder, being able to put on eight or nine pounds of lean tissue over the course of you know two or three years is pretty damn good. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> so, and that's yeah, yeah, and that that's all been strict keto. There's been no slip ups. I mean, I I practice what I preach. I feel, you know, I'm all for self experimentation. I've done a whole bunch of it myself. But when you find what works, then stick to that and don't sacrifice from that. And that's the kind of you know philosophy I try to live by. And I have no problem staying strict keto because I believe in it. It works. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Uh, right. You know, optimizing my health and performance is more important to me than, you know, going out and having beers with the guys on the weekends, you know? Right. No, I agree. I think you want, I think once you get into this state of just like um, feeling great, you're happy where your body's at, and like you're just in this rhythm, 
and it takes some people a while to get into it. You've been working at it for a while. Like you mentioned, you've gone through a lot of different diets. But once you get into this state, and I would say this runs true with me, is like you don't get you, you just don't have the desire to go down the wrong path again and maybe have that deep dish pizza <laughs> that maybe you had like 15 years ago, right? Um, because you just know you're going to feel like crap. Yeah, um, totally, totally. And and I don't ever want to say that and, and people think that that is what they're supposed to be doing and they're right. lesser if they're not strict keto. Like like you pointed out, I mean, I've done all kinds of different things that have gotten me to this point. Like it's taken years to get to this point. And right. I'm okay with showing that side too. Like there is no overnight success to really getting your nutrition dialed in. Um, and that journey is going to look different for everybody. But once you know what works for you, you know, feel free to continue to experiment and tweak things. I mean, I'm constantly tweaking things, but I don't have to deviate so far and think that the grass is always greener on the other side, you know? Right. Yeah. You cut off for just a second, but, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 am you know, I, I'm pretty strict with how I eat. I will say like, and, and this goes true for even someone that's been doing it for a while. If you do have a, a day or a meal, that's not like what, it, what you exactly want it to be. I think that's like, okay. In the sense that, because if you've been doing it long enough and eating, let's say keto or eating really healthy and doing fasting and stuff, if you have a meal here and there, like it, it's not the end of the world and you can always get back to your old, you know, regular habits. Um, especially if, if you're used to being in that, in that state, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's times where I am ultra strict tracking everything. And there's times like when I'm in the off season where I'll be much more lax with it. Like I'll, I'll not right. track everything to the T. I'll have a little bit more barbecue or whatever, but I'm not I'm not ever deviating from keto, but I'm deviating sure. from, you know, just tracking everything down to the microgram because I feel like that takes all the fun out of it too. I mean, you want it to be sustainable, but then when it's time to get serious, then, you know, get serious. But when it's time to relax a little bit, then be okay and embrace that aspect of it too. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, for you, you're working towards competitions and things like that which is obviously not the, you know, not the norm for most people, but having that working towards something. I mean, I think the, like having something to work towards, it doesn't have to be a competition. You know, people will come to be like, Oh, I have a wedding coming up or uh, I have a photo shoot or, you know, it's my birthday party or whatever it is like, and they're working towards something. I think that's a good way to go about like your years pick, pick different things to work towards. Maybe it's like a competition. You know, they have all these competitions now, you know, whether it's a running one or even like a lifting one where you can like sort of gear all your efforts towards that. And it sort of keeps you motivated. And that's like your, that's part of your reason why you're so strict, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I feel like you need to have a goal. You need to find something that pushes you. Um, I, I've never liked this concept of maintenance because I don't feel like, you ever maintain like you're either getting better or you're getting worse so i feel like having something that pushes you uh in some way is key and it doesn't always have to be physical like it doesn't it, you could be going through a period of your life that is focusing on you know your emotional development or your mental development it doesn't always have to be physical i like to have a, a good solid baseline with physical but you know having having something that that's pushing you and striving you to be better in some form or fashion every single day is is key because i think just desiring maintenance is a is a pretty subpar way of living yeah no i agree i mean um you don't want to wait till you know you i don't know how old are you robert 28 28 okay so i'm like 39 time flies right like 
I, I feel I don't feel like I'm 39, right? I feel like I'm younger, but like I, I just try to stress to clients and people in general, like it's it's later than you think. Time moves fast, like and it, things get harder and harder. Um, you know, whether it's in the gym or or with eating, like and so like in, in, with your body, like a lot of people come to me, they're like, oh, they want to get their body back to what it was, <laughs> you know. And so it's like like the sooner the sooner you can get on these good habits and uh, and just be active and work on the mental part and even get into, you know, some type of fasting. I think like you're going to start to see results earlier and sooner and you're going to start, you know, trying, you know, feeling better and, and hopefully just feeling younger. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's so much easier to, to do that if you have a solid foundation and base to work from. It's like if you're healthy and you maintain these habits, these healthy habits, uh, throughout your life, then then it's it's so much easier to stick with them and not deviate from that, as opposed to waiting till much later to try and introduce these habits. Um, you know, I mean, like everything compounds on itself. So building these foundations strong at the onset is is key. Now, no matter where you're at in life, it's never too late to start. But right. you know, don't wait till the nth hour to try and turn your life around. No doubt about it. And if you can surround yourself with people who are in that same mindset, I think that's, you know, even more helpful. Like I do some training out of a small studio and you and when you're around a community and you see this with like CrossFit and things like that, when you're around a community of people who are all working towards similar goals, I think that's just one more way that will help push you to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Having, having a community is key, man. I mean, when I look at the, the keto community, for instance, I mean, that's it's crazy to think that this this style of eating has lent itself to such this such a community aspect and feel to it but when i look at what it is and what it stands for and what it's become it's exciting because i mean this this community is what's given a life breath to the people in it like they they can be faltering but then they'll reach out to somebody on social media and then they'll have their back and they they support one another there's these forums there's these groups there's these dm channels i mean having access to people that are going through something similar and and right there by your side i mean that is that is so incredibly valuable no doubt about it i mean i think that's probably the biggest plus to social media i know there's some downfalls and some things that i obviously don't like to be tied to social media but on the other hand you know this is the age that we're in and if you could take advantage and surround yourself you know with people who are working towards your goals and if it's as easy of joining a group a Facebook group or, or just an online community. Um, I mean, it's a great way to sort of just get your questions answered and, you know, get to where you want to go as far as health or whatever else you're looking for. hundred percent, man. Well, what else you got going on in the future? What, what's, uh, what's on the horizon for you, man? What are you working on? Oh yeah. So I just launched, I think I I just launched a 21 day uh, fasting challenge. It's actually 21 day fasting challenge. It's, it's, um, yeah, I wanted to, you know, I came out with a journal, a uh, simple earn a minute fasting journal a few years back, and it was great, but I wanted, you know, p- everyone loves a great challenge, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And like we talked about, it's good to work towards something. And I wanted to put, you know, I was putting out a lot of content, which I enjoy doing, but like, you know, information only gets you so far. And so, you know, I know there's a lot of challenges out there, and um, but I just felt like uh, I wanted something that was tangible that people can, you know, do daily steps and help them get get in, into good habits of f- intermittent fasting, which is something that's really some help influence my life. So yeah, I just have a have a, a challenge going on right now. Um, 
where people can just get daily emails and, and learn to sort of enrich their lives and make fasting a lifestyle change. Uh, so that's been something I've been working on for a while. Um, it's not and, 21 days of fasting though, right? Right, right, right. Gotcha. So the website's 21 day fasting challenge. Yes. It's not three week fast. <laughs> okay, it's, that's pretty, yeah, it's I, pretty overwhelming there. I know, I know. And I, and yeah, I, I didn't want it to, to sound like that, but yeah, it can be a little confusing, but when you go there, it talks about intermittent fasting. It's not, yeah, it's not three weeks of fasting. Gotcha. Um, yeah. It, and so, yeah, that's the big thing that I just launched. But, um, yeah, other than that, just, just trying to coach and help people with that. Um, I mean, other than that, other projects, I mean, I wrote a kid's back book a few years ago. I might get back into that a little bit, but, um, just like healthy habits for kids. Cause I don't have any myself, but you know, kids, you can have such an influence on, on, you know, and they're like sponges that, um, you know, starting good habits is obviously important the younger you are right so <laughs> oh yeah man the, the kids nutritional front right now is it, it leaves a lot to be desired for sure so i think building good habits around that is is of paramount importance no doubt about it i mean i i, I look back i mean i i was lucky i got i got exposed to lifting and to healthy eating pretty early like i would say for me early was like in high school you know some people i feel like it people are starting to get influenced earlier and earlier but, uh, you know, sometimes, like, for example, like my parents' age, they didn't start working out and getting into health until they were in their 50s, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously, it's never too late. But, yeah, if we can influence kids um, just about healthy eating and getting into these habits, I mean, you know, then, you, you know, obviously, you look back and you're like, wow, you know, you start early. And it's just it builds a, such a solid foundation. And, and what is the name of that book? Oh, that one's called The Magic Zoo. <laughs> the magic zoo i like it and what, what's the name of the website for your fasting challenge 21 day fasting challenge.com uh, and that's also the instagram handle 21 day fasting challenge so i put a lot of content on there and then so if they just want to get some good cool content on the instagram handle i just started that and then they can go to the website um and it'll take them through all the details of the challenge and what they got to do um but um and then the rest of the rest of the stuff that I'm doing, which I'm sort of re rehabbing my website right now, is just under my name, BrianGrin.com. Um, so anything else new that'll be coming up in the horizon um, will be on there. Um, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to start doing a lot more strategic fasting as my calories get higher. So I will definitely be hitting you up for any any words of wisdom you may offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Reach out. Let me know if you got got any questions around that and. I'll have to put in. I'm gonna have to put in some orders of bricks. Where who knows if there's uncertainty, if there might be a lockdown. You know, having a brick here and there not a bad idea, right? Hey man, well, we're we're gonna keep doing everything we can to make sure they're in stock and shipping out. So we'll get you taken care of, brother. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Brian, it's been a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed the conversation. And I will definitely keep in touch. All right, Robert. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet, man. Take care.